Hey everybody, this is Nerds in Cars Talking Cards. This is Park Cofield. John Sexton. Justin Coffee. Kira Sagdahlin. And Piper the Dog. Roof, roof. <laughs> We're in a 2014 Toyota Prius. Losing our minds a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Two hours from Detroit. <laughs> yeah, 130 miles. 130 miles. <laughs> and the episode, the, know, the subject for this episode is... Uh, Getting into old school on a budget. Falling on a budget. Falling yep. on a budget. Falling. Budget on a builds. Uh, ways to approach uh, your first purchases in old school, mm-hmm. and everything that relates to that topic. Yeah. Yeah. Take us away, Justin. Oh. Well. Uh, okay. I'll start by. Uh, we talked a little bit about this, but. Um, when I discovered that there were people playing old school magic, um, one of the first things I found was a Beast of the Bay booze brews video, or whatever they call I think they call it, that's what they're called. Um, booze brews. Booze brews. And it was Jeremy Chen, uh, and maybe it was Dom, or there was somebody, I, I forget who you are, you're not memorable apparently. But, um, that's not true, we remember you entirely. No, no, Jeremy, just not the other one. Anyhow, she's nope. jumping down here. So I, I found this video, and it was Jeremy going over his white weenie deck and talking about how this was, like, the deck that he loans out to folks that he wants to, you know, bring into the game and, and um, kind of, you know, how, how to build it and, and then comparing these two white weenie builds, which I thought was a really good idea, A, just to have two people with the same deck sit down and talk about their, their iteration and their choices and so on and so forth. And it also kind of spiked my interest in, like, figuring out ways to build multiple decks uh, on a budget. Because I didn't want to just build one deck for myself and one deck for Kira, and then we just have one deck that we play. Um, so I started by building, like, one of every color, basically. I built a mono black, a mono white. You know, I built a... Uh, I think I built a Goblins deck and tried that. And I built a mono blue, like, suicide thing and went, went about it that way. Um with one of each color and I quickly learned which ones suck um, and which ones don't or at least which ones suck because I didn't have all of the, the right all the right you know all the good yeah. stuff um, and that's not even that doesn't even mean power like if you're gonna play mono blue you, you want psionic blast um, for the most part and or if you're gonna play um, like a I don't know if you're gonna play like a mono red goblins deck you know you it's nice to have I don't know, more forks, wheels, like that, you know, all that sort of shit. So, um, that's where I started with it. I, I just kind of... I um, mean, the story about your mono black deck that you loaned out at the Las Vegas uh, oh, yeah. GP, yeah, yeah. I mean, that deck, fully unpowered, played by a guy who's never... Played. He plays EDH, he doesn't play old school. Yeah. And he went four and two, uh, while I went two and four yeah. on a deck I'd been practicing with for weeks. Yeah. So, no, I built a like a budget version of the mono black, um, mono black rack, and he took it to a four and two finish in Vegas, and then uh, a couple weeks ago in Texas at the Al- Battle of the Alma, that same deck, literally card for card, the same as one that I built, save for like one card. I think he was running one extra copy of something. Um, that deck went uh, five and one, and it actually took down Brian Urbano's shop deck, which, which was. I feel like that's a, that's a feat in and of itself. Yeah. Um, I, but then again, I know, I guess Brian has a, he has trouble with mono black sometimes because I think it's just so fast. 
I mean, and so how much was that deck? Can you give a rough estimate? I mean, you could I, you could build that deck uh, with revised copies of stuff and unpowered for like under a hundred dollars all day. Yeah. Demonic Tutor is your most expensive card, I think. And you can like run a reprint of Greed because it runs one Greed, if I remember correctly. Um, well, and then didn't yeah. you just play... So, obviously, we've brought up the Raise the Lord deck a few times. And Justin played that against um, Brian's... He calls it, like, Junk 30 or, you know, like... Unsleep 30, yeah. yeah Unsleep $30, 30 or whatever it was, yeah. Yeah, so this is a $30 deck. I think his was Merfolk. Yeah, like Mono Blue Merfolk with yeah. Sea Singer and um, the Vaulted Knight, the 2-2 flying thing for, for three. Yeah, and you guys had a ton of fun with that like all the way until three or four in the morning after the alamo city meetup that we went to and i mean that was a ton of fun they were effective they were both cheap unsleeved junk i think that there's a misconception (laughs) that you it requires a ton of money to get into old school like with, with with ec pack rules like either one you you get the reprint you know as long as you're not playing swedish you can get into playing old school for not a ton of, not at, I mean, certainly less than what people spend on their commander decks, like foiled out soul rings and all that shit. That stuff's expensive. So I think, uh, I think you can jump into it for a lot less money than people realize. And, um, it's always cool to have like, like a budget deck to, to pass out to people as like sort of the, you know, the, the catch all, get them like, Hey, get them hooked, bring them in, bring them into the fold. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? What's your experience? I I had uh, pretty much everything I needed for a mono black deck to start playing, um, and then for a while I sort of set a limit for myself that I wasn't going to pay more than ten dollars for a card. Uh, That's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. And so you know I bought like low end stuff, reprint stuff, lots of janky stuff in my in my style of wanting to try cards, try to make make cards bad cards work. Um, and then it was a slippery slope once I passed that $10 mark. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not going to say that you're not going to end up what, spending a bunch of what money. What was, like, the first expensive card you felt like you needed to buy? Uh, that I needed to buy or that I did buy? Well, both. Both. Uh, well, the the first, like, card that I, uh, that felt like a really big purchase was a CE Ruby that I got. Yeah. And I got it uh, for a hundred bucks. Whoa, that's really that's a good. good deal. Right before they, they went up. Jumped. Yeah. But at that time, that felt like a, you know, huge per- purchase. Yeah. Um, okay. For me at, at the time. And, um, and then the fir- and then, you know, then the, the next one that, that felt really big was getting a, a Chaos Orb. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, Kira, uh, got me a CE Ruby as a gift, and that was that's at the time that, that was like the most money we'd spent on a magic card, and it was like, oh shit, yeah. you know. And A, it was like, oh shit, and also B, it was like, shit, I'm I'm playing black now. I need to have, now I need to play. <laughs> where's the red gonna go? So I, you know, it kind of like forced me in that direction. Yeah. The Chaos Orb was a big, but I, I, you know, I think even if you know Chaos Orb, like if you buy a CE copy. You know, you, you can you can be into them like two hundred and fifty bucks, which is, I mean, all things considered, that's not terrible. You know, I mean, like Gaia's Cradles are like three hundred dollars if you're playing Legacy Elves. So, and then you got to have four of those. You only you only get to have the one Chaos Orb. So I think that I think that there's a misconception that 
old school magic is is expensive. I also think that you know people have a tendency to if they build a budget deck, they 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 try to build the most effective budget deck, right? Like mono black rack turns out to be an effective budget deck, but I think that people could explore the card pool a lot more um, in the budget space and build you know build something that could be somewhat competitive and not be just the same shell of a yeah. of a deck over I mean, and I, over again you know for what I think it, for, for me for a while there I was you know really really hesitant to, to make any any additional sort of big, bigger purchases and so I uh, shifted my mindset into thinking okay well how do I take advantage of the fact that I'm not I, that I don't have access to some of these higher power level cards and yeah. I was really looking at Blood Moon a lot I was looking yep. at Energy Flux I was um you know, and, and started brewing in that space, yeah. uh, and that you know I think is an exceptionally good way to think about entering old school magic on a budget. Yeah, I mean, Blood Moon will shut down the deck in a heartbeat if you can get it to stick. So it's uh, yeah, it's a very effective. John, do you have any budget decks? Uh, so I actually, I, I have a few different, um, I guess, angles I can talk about on this. Uh, so when I when I first got into old school. I I knew I was going to have to stick with CE for a while just because of the, of the cost, but um, I did a you know I did a big purchase to get in. I, I bought a CE set uh, all at once just so I could get all the power, you know, all the restricted cards and have a head start on play sets of other stuff. Um, I paid a lot of money for it. Uh, but it was worth it to me at that time because it allowed me to just get going. Yeah. And I, I was very... Once I realized, you know, what was happening in this community and the kinds of uh, people and events that were uh, around, I, I really wanted to just get in and start playing as quick as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I, I could afford it. You know, it, I had I had the funds available to do this. Um so it, it was a big purchase, but I, I was basically like, you know, this is what I want to be doing, so I'm just going to do it. Um, but then, you know, th that, that gets you the power and some of the other key cards, but that's not a deck. So you still have to fill that out with other things. And, and I wasn't able to then go on and, you know, finish CE playsets of everything or get unlimited playsets of everything. That was kind of just to get those core power cards. So for a lot of it, in the beginning, I did play revised, uh, quite a lot of revised cards, and I, I got a lot of foreign black border stuff. Yep. Um, uh, Ruya, Japanese, uh, big Japanese magic store. I ordered quite a bit from there um, online, and their prices were very reasonable. You know, if like if you wanted to have a black border version of something, yeah, uh, on the cheap. FBB was a good way to do it, and uh, I like the way the cards look. So, I, I did that for maybe like the first, you know, six or nine months. I had some decks that were like almost entirely FBB, and it was kind of like a fun project to do, like a Pink Weenie or an Urnum Geddon or uh, Mono Black or something that was all Japanese or to the extent that that you could. Yeah. Um. So I did that as a way to have multiple decks available uh, so I could share with other people or just switch it up and see which kinds of things I like the best. Um, so that, that was kind of my original uh, getting into old school with one admittedly not budget move, which was the CE set. But then, but then after that, trying to find the cheapest possible way to supplement and make it so that I could actually 
use those cards uh, without having to then invest a bunch more money. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know that I would recommend that as a way to get in if somebody was looking to uh, make a big purchase or, um, uh, or, or start playing from scratch. I would say rather than trying to get all of the big cards in a way that will give you a bunch of flexibility, you know, spend a little time deciding what deck you want to play and then just try to get, uh, you know, that deck in a cheap version, basically what you guys did. Yeah. And then um, play it uh, play it a little bit and add to it over time. So unless you have, like, the funds to make a, a lump sum, I would say pick one or two, iterate on them, uh, make them as cheap as possible, and then if you find that you, you like to play them, uh, then you can then upgrade them. But uh, I recently went back to making more budget decks, though, um, because I had a bunch of extra revised cards and Chronicle stuff and whatever. And so I wanted to try to find a way to make the best use of all of it. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of, uh, you know, this was a few months ago, basically. And by this point, I'd been in old school for a year and a half or something like that. And I had a much better understanding of the decks and the metagame and, like, you know, what's viable as budget and what's not. So I tried to, to lay all those things out in... Uh, the skeletons of budget versions of the decks that are actually good and fun to play. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, so like Goblins and Urnum Geddon and Black Rack and Pink Weenie and um, uh, like a Berserk deck and Red Green kind of Curday giant growth thing. And uh, I had about 10 or 12 of these things that I was, uh, you know, sort of, sort of just adding to a little bit at a time uh, as I went. Well, that, um, that chick in Vegas, she went top eight with a mono-red goblins deck that, I mean, admittedly, there was a lotus in there and a ruby, but they were CE. Yeah. And, I think. And, and you don't even have to have those. I mean, for, yeah. for goblins, you know, you, you you gain very few percentage points by adding that stuff. Yeah. And she, yeah, she went top eight with that thing. That was a, that was a cool deck. It was, it's an interesting take on goblins. Like, running that, I, I don't remember, goblin... Banner, the one that you flip the coin to draw a card. Oh, Goblin Artisans. Artisans. Yeah, yeah. Artisans. That's a that was cool. It's a good card draw yeah. mechanic. And and uh, Nick Aiello went uh, top eight at the first Ursus Chalice event with Goblins also. Really? So it's yeah. it's it's a, it's a huh. very competitive deck. And if you if you know how to play it, and you kind of manage your sequencing and bait out removal and all this stuff. Like, yeah. You can do very well with it. Goblins of the Flarg. Goblins of the Flarg. And Blood Moon. You know, like one of the cards that Park mentioned, uh, Blood Moon, Energy Flux. Basically these these super powerful hoser effects yeah. that punish uh, punish all the dual lands, punish all the moxen, you know, uh, all these things that the super powerful decks are doing um, can, can uh, really crumble under the weight of some of these super powerful enchantments. Um, if you build your deck around them. Yeah. So like Merfolk, uh, like a mono blue Merfolk with Energy Flux main, that's a legit competitive deck and it's a lot of fun to play and it does not have to be expensive at all. Yeah, I've never, I've, I've never, I built Merfolk, sort of. I didn't go full tilt and I, uh, bringing up Jeremy Chen again, Merfolk is like one of his favorite things and uh, I'd like to, I'd love to pick his brain and get a, get a look at what he plays for mono blue Merfolk. I think uh, Jimmy Cooney also has a, a, a mono blue Merfolk deck that he yep. he does well with. Yeah, I'm I'm into that. I think that um, I I definitely think there's a ton of resources now for for people that are getting into old school that can you know figure out how to not spend 
a, you know, a bunch of money to, to test the waters, see if they like it, and then... I mean, full disclosure, you can you can now play however many playgrounds you want, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. So, like, if you really want to go cheap... Yeah, there you go. Major, major playgrounds. Budget. Yeah, and, and the cheapest way of all is to, to proxy stuff. Yeah. Like, you can make a, you know, black and white printouts of these cards uh, and cut them up slipping into sleeves with you know basic lands or something and test what it feels like to run the deck shuffle yep. it up make sure the mana's right make a few of them and share them with your buddies that's a, that's a like, mistake that I made early on that was getting an idea for a deck buying all the shit to play the deck and then quickly realizing that that was a bad deck oh I make that mistake all the time yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think if I was more disciplined I wouldn't have to yeah. but uh, yeah I know that but there's something about like fulfilling the goal like I'm going to build this deck and play this deck and you you get it all together and then you you go 0 and 8 with it and you're like wow I that was a what the fuck did I do with these yeah. cards yeah that, that's that's exactly what happened to me with Eureka yeah <laughs> yeah I don't I don't want to tell you how many um, 4th edition copies of Mishra Factory I somehow have because every you know every deck needs a playset and in in our you know in EC and and in, and in, <laughs> so you know when we built five you know five single colored decks ever I had to buy that's twenty right there and then yeah. for some reason I just kept buying more I don't know <laughs> why I uh, you know I think at one point we had like forty of them well they all give each other plus one plus one yeah that's yeah one hell of a big assembly worker yeah. Um, all right. Well, you got anything to say, a little on the on the on the budget topic? Oh, I don't know. Well, I well, mean, well, you guys have a, a relatively new club with members who are still building their collections. Yeah. So, what what have you seen there as far as what people are doing, um, being resourceful or building creative decks, or you know, what do you see there? Yeah, we have a um, like we have one guy in our group, Justin. Another Justin. We have lots of. We have three Justins. Yeah, actually. Uh, they're they're big, categorized by size. Yeah, yeah. Big Justin is uh, he likes to play um, like janky, crazy brews. He loves oh, Vesuvian yeah. doppelganger, so he's always trying to shove that into a deck. And he does not give a fuck if he loses. No, he didn't. He plays Sword of the Ages. <laughs> uh, he, he was trying to build like a Walls uh, Righteousness Glyph uh, yeah. Sword of the Ages yeah. thing. You, you know, guys like, will get along. Make like a ten ten wall and sack it away. It's my kind of deck. Yeah. yeah. Drew actual I, applause from Park. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> no, he's, I mean, that's the kind of nonsense that he's, he's into. There's, I mean, um, there's plenty of like mono blacks and, and, uh, white weenies and, there's a couple. and then there's people who are just proxying. They do their best for now. We allow proxies at meetups and, you know, they're, they're saving themselves for the big tournaments. So they just, or they're testing a theory. Yeah, like, do I really want to? Do I want to play these colors? And if I if I do, then I mean, um, play a mono green. Justin loves our our like mono green weenie ish. It's oh, yeah. not like super effective, the one, the but one it's that fun. Derek played at, at whatever bootleggers ball or players ball. The 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 green weenie deck with with nafs asps and oh, yeah. and white oh, lily yeah. wolves and all the hard cards to say like that thing's that's a brutal little deck like. As long as you get Concordant Crossroads in the board, so you don't die to Abyss, that's a brutal, it's yeah. a brutal deck. And Tranquility solves solves a lot of problems too for yeah. twenty five cents or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I love that deck. I, I played, I've been playing that quite a bit just because it's it's so fast and you know, you, yeah. Anyhow, um, but I think a lot of our people are are in a in an you know they're in the space where they they're they're dipping their toes in, and some people it's been fun to watch some people just start selling off stuff. And, 
you know, if you want to learn more about buy listing and uh, buying old school cards, there's another episode. Uh, oh yeah, the uh, if earlier episode, I yeah. we can't tell you the number. So you can you can get rid of all of your um, your whatever modern masters cards or whatever those are and yeah and go buy some some, some old school old school and, and, stuff. And really, that is the best way. Like as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you think you want to be switching into old school and, and are not likely to be using that other stuff anymore, just uh, trade it in. You know, you can you, if you have the time, you could sell it on Discord or TCG Player or eBay, and you know, maximize your dollar. But then you're spending a lot more time. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah, yeah. We converted one of our um, commander decks into Kira's Chaos Orb. Yeah. Through through Card Kingdom. I mean, we didn't get the best deal. On the purchase of the card through Card yeah. Kingdom, and I lost have... a Ring of Maroof for it, but yeah, yeah I but, think but, it was a good trade. No, no I'm talking about the commander. Like the, but the nice thing oh, about yeah. it is, like, you just you got the card you wanted fast, and you you know you didn't have to spend money out of pocket to do it. Yeah. So that's that's I mean it's really buy listing is about convenience and how much time you have to spend moving from one type of collection to another, and you know for me it was the best because it was fast. And, uh, and it, so, you know, if you got a bunch of modern stuff or commander stuff and you're not really using it, you know, that's that's your best path to old school, uh, especially for some of the initial hurdles. And then you don't have to buy things twice because it's, you know, it, there's not rotating anywhere. So, yeah, that's that makes that makes me feel happy. I don't, you know, and it, it holds its value well. So if you, if you do throw cash and do it to buy yourself something, you can always get it back out. That was That's a good example of one of, one of the guys in our group um, needed to, you know, pay a, a surprise medical bill and cashed out of his, his, uh, play set of Jusums to, to go take care of that bill and, you know, and just proxied them in the interim. And yeah. that was that. And we, you know, he, uh, took care of his bill and was still able to play old school. So yeah, now yeah. he's onto a whole new deck. So yeah, he's, it he's playing out. all in reanimator now and, and, uh, he's proxying that to make sure that it's, it's what he wants to do. So yeah, I've never seen anybody get upset with proxies. No. You know, no. Not, not in old school. Like, you know, there are certain things, like, if, if it's one of the proper events where people are traveling and, you know, it's like a, a real tournament. Yeah. You know, you're not supposed to have proxies in those. But every other time, casual meetups, side games, you know, even you go to one of those big events and you play additional games later just for fun. Yeah. Proxies are fine. I, you know, you, you, you just don't see people getting upset about it. Um Last night we met up with the Lords of the Pit to play, and there were a lot of proxies in the stuff they were playing. Yeah. You know, it was a mix of like, you know, uh, beta stuff, FBB, uh, printed proxies. I was playing some proxies in my deck because I didn't have, you know, I, I didn't want to have to switch all my cards around if I wanted to switch decks in the evening. And yep. you know, it's just it's just part of the experience. It's no big deal. Yeah, for, foreign blackboarder is a very good example. You brought that up earlier. That was something. There's certain cards that I just don't want to spend the money on to have a beta copy because it's just too expensive or an alpha or whatever. And yeah, Mana Vault. Mana Vault, yeah. <laughs> and you never know the disc. I mean, the disc is, you know, betas are not cheap. and uh, But you can find, you know, Foreign Black Border for very reasonably priced. Yeah. And, and when we were, you know, when we traveled around last year, um, we scooped up a bunch of Foreign Black Border just to, just to have... Just for fun. Just to have play sets of, it was fun to look you know, for. kind of... You know, super playable cards, giant growths, lightning bolts, shivens, whatever. You know, just having having that stuff to be able to to play that's black border, so you don't have to spend the real money. That's just the pro tip. 
right there. Just the protein. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm excellent. Well, that's all I got. I think that wraps up this episode of Nerds, Nerds in Cars. cars. Stop talking cars. cars. Thanks for listening. Bye, Nikki.